Welcome to the bonfire, everybody. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. And it's episode nine. Woo woo! Welcome back, everybody. As promised, we are here with part three of our Samhain series. And we're going to get really alliterative. We are here with part three of our Samhain series, which is sigils, for those of you who are into alliteration. Um, I'm excited about this because I think I that... I think that drawing and putting pen to paper or stick to sand or whatever it is that you're using to draw is like totally magic, no matter what you're doing. I think pen to paper is magic, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Before we get into it, though, what's your like take on sigils? How do you feel about it? I love them. I, I have n- well, I don't want to get into the episode part of it yet. But I love them and I use them. I'll leave it at that and talk more about it when we get into it. All right. So after we hear history and stuff. But, hey, I wanted to ask you. I saw a couple of things on Instagram this week that got me thinking and I wanted to talk to you about it. Yes, please. You are so adorable. I can hardly stand it. (laughs) I get very excited and I kind of perk up like a gopher. (laughs) She does this little thing underneath her chin. It's just adorable. So... How do you feel about blowing out candles versus snuffing them out? Okay, here's the thing about that. When it's a taper, I lick my fingers and squeeze it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like in some weird way, like it's done something for me. I should do something for it. And that's kind of like my physical connection to that thing. There's no rule about that. That's just something that came to my head and now won't leave. But I think I love my candle snuffer. And I always, always, always snuff my candles during ritual, and uh, that's important. But I think that outside of ritual, I'm very, very lazy about it. Why? Well, I go back and forth. I've read and done all the history study on it about you're dispersing the energy. And I'm like, yes, you are. You are dispersing the energy. Yeah. So it depends It depends on what I'm doing in ritual, whether I blow it out or whether I snuff it. I have a snuffer, which I also love. And I, before I had a snuffer, because I didn't have one for a long time, and if you don't have one, that's fine, because like I said, I was a very poor witch for a while. I would lick my fingers and snuff it out too, just the way that you talked about, pinch it out. I would do that but all the time. so many of my candles are dark candles. Uh... Which are what candles? Jar candles. Oh, which yeah. Which not only feeds my candle habit, but also my jar habit. So it totally uh, does, and it's safe. Great. It's really safe. Yeah, way safer, especially when you have a furry friend in the house, namely mm-hmm. a cat who is far too clumsy for his own good. So those are harder to like pinch. And if I am not in a hurry, I will snuff those as well. But if I'm in a hurry or I'm like, oh, crap, I got to bail out of here, I will just blow them out. I read somewhere once that it was considered an insult. Yeah, like if you, I read if that you too. blow out your, like, deity candles. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, 
I understand that like ritual there is important and it's important to show like reverence and and like respect but I also think that like with so many other things if you a don't know that or b don't have like malice in your heart your god's Mm -hmm. not gonna care do you know what i mean yeah i do know what you mean okay yeah i totally know what you mean and you know what i do always snuff out my dd candles it's true Uh, but i think for spell work sometimes because i'm a big breath work user again little b not big b if you listen to the uh, other episodes Uh, but using my breath for magic and for spell work i think it's really powerful and so sometimes I use it to just do a little extra push when I'm blowing out a candle. And, and that is so the, beautiful. Oh, I just want to yeah. say about that, you doing that. That is so beautiful, too, because it's very evocative because your air from your body, mm-hmm. right, is going to make contact with that sacred flame, right? And then your air and that flame come together and create smoke, which then your breath pushes out into space. So, like... Right. That's a beautiful like union between you and that flame and the energy and intention that you put behind it. So I think yeah. that there doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule about snuffing versus. I don't think so either. There are some spells that are very contained and tight. I, I think, you know, you just have to start developing your own intuition and listening to yourself. Feel and it out. The other thing I read, which I totally know, I, w- I tried to find it before the episode, I looked through my activity and stuff because I commented on it. Someone posted this great thing about how intention isn't everything. And I was like, at first, I was like, what? Yes, it is. And then, <laughs> and then I read her or his. I wish I could I wish I wish could find who it was who was saying, no, you have to do the work. And I went, oh, yeah, but I've always assumed that. But then I went, but other people might not assume that. They yeah. might think, oh, I can do the spell and I don't have to do anything in the mundane world and everything will come my way, which is not true. So I wanted to... Not that I think you and I have ever on the podcast said, yes, intention is everything and don't do anything else. But I thought, well, you know what? That was a good note, note to self to pass on in case people don't know. Yes, there is work to do in the world. You can't just, you know, do a spell for money and decide to quit your job, you know. Or maybe you can decide to quit your job and do no. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna in, cut that. <laughs> it's like in the Princess and the Frog when Tiana's like, "You can wish on stars all you want, but you also got to do the work." But then you know, a little magic is good too. Just got to be open to it. Yeah, um, good old spell stuff. Yeah, I think that intention is everything. Is also a very malleable phrase. Depending depending on how you apply it, it can mean different things. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that I commented on this person's post was that I've always thought of I've always thought assumed, of course, people know to do the work. But if you don't focus your intention, your spell can go so awry, even if you are doing the work. Yeah. So I thought those were fun things that I got inspired by other witches about to talk to you about this week. What about you? Anything inspiring you this week? I'm going to be so straightforward about where my headspace was this week. Uh, This was week two of my job, and it was the week where they sort of threw us off the diving board into the pool and said, have fun. I mean, they're there for us, and they're supporting us, and and it's all well and good, but uh, my brain has had to work. I was telling Dada this earlier. My brain has had to work in a way that it's never had to work before, so I have been very self-care oriented this week, 
so that I don't accidentally burn out and become useless next week. This week, it's been about like gentle maintenance, a lot of reading and a lot of journaling and a lot of relaxing. And this weekend, I did like this flurry of activity and I built myself a greenhouse for my garden and I went to the grocery store and I did the laundry and I like did all the things. So now my energetic well is like, it needs to rest. Yeah. So I'm excited about this week having a little bit more I have the routines in place now. I just need to sort of find the energetic balance in there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. I'm glad you're doing that. Self-care is important. Yeah. Otherwise, we are useless. Otherwise, we are useless. Mm -hmm. Shall we go into the babble or do you have something else, Corey? Actually, Detta, before we get started, I would love to address a listener question from last week's episode. So last week, we talked about tarot. And I got a question on our Instagram from a user whose name is Happy Feet, except that it's spelled H-A-E-P-I feet. So I'm going to pronounce it Happy Feet because it's fun to me and I love it. And they asked, can you teach me about the similarities or difference between oracle cards versus tarot? And I wanted to address that question. The difference between a tarot card and an oracle card is basically... Well, practically, it's the way that it's set up. A tarot deck is always going to have a similar structure. You might find cards, or rather, you might find decks that have different numbers of cards, but it's always going to be roughly the same. It's going to be the major arcana and the minor arcana, or the pips. An oracle deck can have any number of cards in it. And what's cool about an oracle deck is it's sort of like dealer's choice, or rather, creator's choice. Energetically speaking, the way you use tarot cards and the way you use oracle cards also can be very different. But I don't think that any one is better than the other or worse than the other or more or less useful. I think that in a really fun reading, you might be able to use both. You might maybe use your oracle card to choose a theme or like get a sense of the reading environment. And then you might use the tarot cards to do your reading, and then maybe you wrap it up with another oracle reading. They can be used in tandem, and I think that they're a really cool way to mix and match and choose how you want to problem solve or storytell or even divine. But to answer your question, Happy Feet, the difference is mostly a structural one. As a person who has never used oracle cards before, I can't speak to how it feels to use different types of cards, but I highly encourage you to maybe find a set or if you have a set, explore it and see how in your own practice they make you feel differently or bring up different emotions or thoughts or ideas in your head or your heart and let us know how you feel interacting with them. I personally am on the hunt for a set of oracle cards because I would like to learn about them myself. I tend to be drawn more to the tarot cards as well, but I do have two decks. I have an Amy Brown deck that my kids gave me that I absolutely adore, that I've had for years. I discovered her when I was really young and when my kids were really young. So I have that deck, and I recently got the Moon deck. You might have seen it around Instagram. Absolutely beautiful. Definitely a lot of affirmations. It feels like a lot of affirmations. But I also haven't worked with them a lot because, as I said, I'm more drawn to the tarot and have been 
really focusing my energy there for many, many years. But I am really interested to find out a little bit more about how they work and if they are for me or if they're just really beautiful cards. For more information, I highly recommend the website Biddy Tarot, B-I-D-D-Y, Tarot. Oh my gosh, I love them. They always are there when I have questions. Uh, I searched there and as well as a blog I found, but pretty much all of the information I found said structurally they're different, energetically they're different, but neither one is better or worse. It just sort of depends on what you want to use them for. Really great question. Thanks. If any listeners out there have any questions after this coming episode, I highly encourage you, please write them on our Instagram or email them in because answering questions is one of my favorite things to do. So, Detta, are you ready to babble? Let's babble. Right on. The Sigils is such a wide and deep history of magic. My historical info came from, you love to see it, Wikipedia. Now, that's not to say that I didn't look in a ton of other places, because I did, but everything I found was a paraphrase of what I had found on Wikipedia, because that particular page was so thorough. Except, spoiler, Keys of Solomon. <laughs> I don't, that's like, I... She's giving the, see what I said about Wikipedia face. I'm just, so. I'm a sh- human shrug emoji. So I'm going to go a little bit historical here, and then I'm just going to make space for us to talk about sigils in our personal practices, because I think that that's going to be richer and a more anecdotal sort of informational dump than this will be. The important points here, I think, uh, is that the word sigil comes from the Latin sigillum, which literally means seal. Basically, the part of this that was new to me that made me really excited to dive deeper was that the modern usage of sigils is largely connected to chaos magic which I, Isn't that interesting? Which I did not know. So the thing about it is that... It I used... have to say, I'm, I'm going to back up here just a moment. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's really, from my research, and I don't have anybody to quote on this, but from my research, that's pretty, fairly modern that it's chaos magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sigil um, work has been around for a long time. Girlfriend, I'm getting there. Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm... <laughs> Getting ahead, getting ahead. Gotta of trust. Go, Corey. Go. You gotta I do trust. trust. Go, Corey. Go. <laughs> so, <laughs> the little blurry blurb at the top of the page basically says, "The term has usually referred to a type of pictorial signature or a of a jinn or another entity." And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But the part nice. that made me excited was that in modern usage, the context. Our sigils have been used in the context of chaos magic um, as a way to be a symbolic representation of the practitioner's desired outcome. I don't know very much about chaos magic, and I didn't gain a deep, deep understanding in this research because I want to take time to research it independently of this, but it's very chaos interesting. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very interesting to me. But the term sigil, like I said, means seal. Uh, which often can also mean name. So if you have heard of the Lesser Key of Solomon, which Detta actually sent to me, and then I just kept coming across it and coming across it, uh, it contains the sigils for the 72 princes of the hierarchy of hell, which sounds very scary. (laughs) 
And it it's, does. It's not. I mean, it, it could be, I guess. It's the stuff of like a Supernatural episode, which don't twist it. I love Supernatural. But, yeah, me too. Um, uh, it, but, but I wouldn't go to it, you know, as a source to no, study witchcraft. No, no. no. Their, attitude, said that bef- their attitude about witches is, is not favorable. I just want to interject that the Lesser Key of Solomon is really known as a source for historical witchcraft and is turned to a lot by a lot of different people. And Wiki cites them. They are cited yeah. in this. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of great sources. But the thing about the sigils of the 72 princes of hell is that when it was being used, it was used as a way to have some sort of, I guess, modicum of control over those beings, but also to learn from them things like math and astronomy and and all kinds of other, I don't want to say forbidden knowledges, but like higher knowledges, which I think is interesting. Um, there are sort of symbols for the purpose of magic across all cultures. Some notable ones are Yantra from the Hindu Tantra, runic magic from the Germanic peoples, and the Veves from Voodoo. So that's pretty cool. I love that. I love that yeah. uh, we we sort of take the word sigil and we smush it onto everything, but every culture has a distinct system of symbols, which I think is cool. And then the very last little bit of history, uh, I went down just like this absolute rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. like for over an hour of just like searching, 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 finding all the images and things I could find about a man named Austin Osman Spare. Oh. Do you know him? Do tell more. Well, basically, he was an artist. He lived from 1886 to 1956. And uh, some have posited that he's like the father of surrealism, the true father of surrealism in art. I don't really know anything about art history, so I can't speak to that. But he was also an occultist and he developed a method of creating and using sigils and that has had like an enormous effect on modern occultism he took the idea of sort of sigils as names and he sort of flipped it around from being something that could evoke entities and instead just saying that like they represent complex like the complexities of the unconscious and it was really really interesting and his art is amazing and his his portraits are beautiful but his art has all of these incredible allusions to like the human being having many layers and a lot of his stuff is sort of like bacchanalian in its content but very simplistic in its execution and it's it's really really beautiful but he I don't think I do know him. He it his, sounded familiar, but yeah, I'm his have stuff to look him up is so cool. You gotta look him up. I highly recommend looking him up. Um, but yeah, so sigils have been around since human beings could create pictorial images. I would yeah. say, and, and they're all over the world, and they all serve different purposes. Like even from the movie Sleepy Hollow, where 
they're drawing spirals in the dirt in front of the fireplace or an episode of Supernatural where they're drawing a big devil's trap on the floor or whatever it is, these images have power. Of course, not without intention, but these images are a way of tapping into a power of some kind, is my understanding. Yeah. And because they have power, you have to charge them. So I'm going to hop on just a little bit about the history. I hope you do. So I look back through my Book of Shadows this week in prep for this episode because I couldn't remember right off the top of my head when I first started using them in my witchcraft practice. But I do love using sigil work in my magic and have used it for years. And a lot of different cultures use sigil work. For example, Jewish people, which I am one of, have a long history of that and also have a long history of Jewish witches, which, by the way, I found it delightful this week that I was listening to Alice Hoffman's new book, which is the prequel to Practical Magic, and she brings it up. She brings up Jewish magic and Jewish people using magic and how they were burned as witches along with a lot of other people because their language and the Hebrew language was looked on as evil and writing at all was looked on as evil. So sigils, like Corey was saying, goes way, way back. And you can do a ton of research on the Key of Solomon, the Jewish Kabbalist. Uh, I think there's another Greek one called the, uh, the Magical Treatise of Solomon, which is also very old. And the Key of Solomon, just FYI, is, I believe, a Renaissance, an Italian Renaissance magic. My memory is telling me uh, 14th or 15th Italian Renaissance magic. But I agree, and it's great to know the history, and that's why we do this, but I agree that let's make it personal. So Yeah, this is yeah. something that's just so broad that I think um, trying to speak to it with any kind of knowledge is going to require... Uh, narrowing it down to our experience. Does that make which sense? What, which is what this podcast is about. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> we gave you those little seeds to go explore, and now let's let's talk about how we use it. Yeah. How do you... We talked a little bit about in the wording episode, we talked about it a bit, but how yeah. do you use sigil work in your, I don't know, daily or on the Sabbaths or... How do you use I, sigils? I use it for candle magic. I carve sigils in my candles. And like I said last week, I use it around my property. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, drawings on rocks and on my fence and maybe made with sticks and tied into places where people can't see. Oh, I'm going to say. So like in a really great place, if you want to hide your sigil work when you're warding, are in bushes that you have around your property. I won't get specific about my bushes. but uh, <laughs> That's what she know. said. <laughs> we won't go there. But, but there are places where you can hide and hang. You can make sigils out of other things and hang them and paperwork, putting them behind paintings, putting them in paintings if you are an artist, which I'm not, but Corey is. Oh, man. No, your artwork is absolutely to die for beautiful. I think so including it that way. And I also think my question to you, I'll throw back to you. So that's how I use it. I'd love to hear how you use it. But also 
what is a method that you use to create your sigils? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was digging into the history, I saw a thing about one of the methods in chaos magic of creating sigils was to basically create like a monogram of spelling out the entire word kind of on top of itself, which I did not know was a thing in chaos magic. And it's a thing that I do. What? Yeah, it's a thing. Oh it's, it's one of many versions of things that I do. Uh, I also have in my my book of mirrors, I have, which is just basically my like ritual journal for after I do a ritual and want to decompress or if I'm doing like a path working or if I want to journal about a new tarot deck, I put it in my book of mirrors. But one way that I also will make sigils is I'll take a geometric shape like a square or a triangle or a circle and I'll put like a spiral or a grid inside of it and put letters and then I'll spell out the word for the main intention that I'm trying to find and see what kind of shape it makes. I'm often not 100% pleased with the aesthetic of the shape. So I will, um, because that's important to me, I will uh, adjust it however feels right and feels natural to me. Uh, Futs with it. Yeah, I futz with it. And I, I tailor it exactly to what I need it to be. Well, and that also keeps it from looking like somebody else's who might have come up with the same word or the same method. Because I absolutely have searched for sigils like the gateway sigil or Mm -hmm. I don't know any number of other sigils and there's a ton out there you can find if you google the word sigil you're gonna come back with like a hundred images of the same like three grids of of what are called like occult symbols or witch symbols or wiccan symbols And they're all going to kind of be the same. And they're basically representations of ideas like the elements or the moon phases or the deities or whatever. And they're going to. And I I think so we've talked a lot about wording and stuff, but there's also intention work in sigils. And so creating something like I am powerful, I am healthy Mm -hmm. and always doing that in the present, making it. Not I want to be healthy or I will be healthy. You're you're living in the if I am. S- if you say it as as though it is happening, it will happen. Yeah, and then and then getting that into the subconscious, as you mentioned in your research, that's what sigils are for. Is that you get that picture, so you're not on the conscious level saying it. And where, as like a lot of times, this is my best example. People will say I am beautiful, and your mind goes, No, I'm not. And you have to fight that. Whereas you look at a picture that you've created and you know what it means and your subconscious is going to take it in. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that you use sigil work and the art that you create around it. Here's the thing about sigil work as well. It's very visual. So Corey might put her grid maybe up on Instagram. Do you feel comfortable uh, I doing that? I could put a couple of that. Um, yeah. One thing I do want to say about perhaps you have limited resources that are space or money based and you can't have a bunch of books and texts and things in your house. And so your research is limited to a Google search and you come back with a page of pre-made symbols. I don't want you to feel any shame in taking those symbols and tweaking them to whatever you need them to be. Because sometimes we need a visual inspiration. 
Yeah. So say you and see by a tweaking, page. You're charging. You're putting your own energy yeah. in it. You, you can make it your own by the way that you decide to charge it. Exactly. And so like say you see a triple spiral and a crescent moon and like the symbol for Yule and it's coming up on Yule and you want to make a blessing. You can take those three symbols and make them into a sigil that is personalized to you. So just remember it, that nothing is new while at the same time everything is new. So you can take yeah. things that are old and and were created elsewhere by others um, in the past and adapt those symbols to your w- ritual, basically. I would stay away from names. Yeah, yeah. Stay from I, I would stay away from the old texts who say they have names of demons and stuff like that. I, I just don't mess with that. Even if you don't believe in it, why mess with that? Just don't mess with it. Just don't fuck with spirit boards. Don't fuck with spirits. Yeah. Don't fuck with demons. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do just don't. it. Like the Ouija board? Uh, you know. And I know. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I, but okay. The, I'll tell you real quick how I feel about that. Okay. Just so quickly. Ouija boards. I don't know the full history of them. That's something I'd like to actually do a little bit of a blurb on at some point because I, I'm interested in that. And this gives me an excuse to do that homework. But I like I know that now they're mass manufactured by Hasbro or whatever. I don't care. I don't care that they're mass manufactured by Hasbro. If I I made my I have a disc for pendulum work that has like letters and numbers and, and yes and no and stuff on it. I made that with my hands. So I know what it's for. I'm not messing with a Ouija board because I don't know who made it. I don't know what it's for. And I don't have any control over what comes through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of magical objects that you pick up. I don't know if, yeah, you feel things. If if you're an intuitive and you pick things up and you get those vibes, you know, some people really get oh just vibes or an icky feeling or a good feeling and other people see things when they touch other objects and magical objects and or objects that have been imbued with magic so i always joke yeah. that i want jewelry that looks like it's haunted i always joke <laughs> that like oh my god i want that ring it looks like it's got like a soul trapped in it that's a joke if i were to pick up a ring and it felt freaking haunted i would put it back down I would put it back down. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know if I, A, have the time to cleanse it, or B, have the strength to cleanse whatever is in it. Yeah. Anyway. So just, so just stay away from those just names. don't those, mess with demons. Yeah. Just do not mess with that. There are a couple of other ways to make sigils. And when I first started, I had started studying OM, which is the language of trees, not not the OHM. No, no, I know what um, you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's spelled O G H A M, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's the Irish language of trees and it was the language, the written language of the Irish language. And still is. And I would take those before I knew much about sigil work and I would tweak them or use them to create sentences in my own secret coded language. And that's what I found. I found one of my whole entire little books where I'd made up all these languages and given letters to them and and those were my sigils and what I created. So that was me and what I did. But some really standard, and I'll call them norms, and they're based on history and that's good to know. So the, I would say the norms for creating sigil work are 
creating the phrase that you want, I am healthy. And then you take out all of the vowels and then you have the just the consonants and consonants have lines. And you take those lines and you move them all out and you take them in the angle that they're in or the shape that they're in, like an H has a curve on it. And you rearrange them the way that you want them with each other to make a picture. So that is one way to create a sigil. Another way to create a sigil is the one you were talking about, which I have never done. The chart that you're talking about with oh, the yeah, letters yeah. and you cross them out and draw them. So I and learned, I, speaking yeah, of that, go ahead. I learned that that guy, Austin, he was one of the people that helped create that system. It was called like a magic square. And he would write things in the square and then he would connect the letters and use those to make images. Can I just say, though, the fact that you came up with that on your own just speaks volumes to me about how the fact is there's so much out there that we are tapping into the collective consciousness and getting downloaded to our brains. And I, I love that. That and, was four years yeah. ago, I think, that I started doing sigil work. Yeah. So that is that's another way to do it. And we'll put some pictures out there. And then I... I think those are the only ways that I have actually personally used. There's a wonderful witch that I follow. I think she's called the Wonder Witch, the Wonderlust Witch. Do you know who she is? Mm-hmm. I'll look her up and put her in the show notes. But she does a whole YouTube on sigils as well. And she has a couple different methods that I don't use that might be helpful for you to look at yeah. and you might like. The thing about sigils, too, is that In the same way that ritual can be really structured, sometimes like the funnest, most enriching experiences are the ones that you kind of like let carry you. And Mm -hmm. so just remember that if you're ever like, I see a shape in my head or I see like a, a bunch of symbols in my head that like are just something I can't get rid of, put them down on paper and see how they like make you feel and maybe they are a sigil that you've created for an unconscious need or issue or problem Mm. or whatever that you're sussing out. It can be as organic as these symbols make me feel this way, so they are a sigil for this feeling. So I don't feel like a visual artist. I don't share a lot of my drawn works because I'm not real confident in them. Sing a note, yes, I can do. Draw on a piece of paper, I'm like, oh, crap. But I, the other way that I create sigils is to write down a mantra or an idea or a protective word or the name of an herb or the name of a tree like Hawthorne and write that at the top of the page, meditate for a little bit, and then doodle. Just Doodling. doodle and it's see what best. comes out of that. Even if you don't think you're an artist, so I feel you, if you're one of those people, just sit and do, just get out of, get out of your head about being a perfectionist. Corey, (laughs) I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Because you're not a perfectionist in any way, shape or form. But (laughs) listen, listen here. Dripping sarcasm. Shush. (laughs) But try to get out of that perfectionist head and just let yourself be free and have fun with it. And if it speaks to you, create it and make it your own. And, and, and why are we talking about this coming up to Samhain? So here's the other way that I use sigils. So when I cast a circle 
which, by the way, we've talked about in another episode, the way to do that. And I think we'll put some little placards up on Instagram to give you a guide in case you're not familiar with the steps of casting a circle. Then I, for Samhain especially, I put extra sigils around my around my circle. I put them in all of the candles that I use that night for my ritual. I put rocks around where I'm going to cast my energetic circle to actually mark a physical boundary as well for Samhain because Samhain, for me, doesn't have to be for you, especially if you are a new witch, but Samhain for me is a deep connecting to the other world. And I just want all the protection I can get, so I love sigil work for that. What about you? I think I think that that's so important too to remember that um, your safety is like so important, and sigils are a way to. I don't want to say armor up, but kind of armor up. I was gonna they say can, I like that yeah. armor up. When I do my path working, there is a garment that in my mind I put on, and that garment is covered in sigils and symbols, and it's my way of armoring up before I walk into the woods. You know what I mean? That's amazing. I think it's so important that you put it around your circle, whether you have a physical item like a rock or you draw something in the dirt around you or you just draw things with gestures. You can mm. do that. I'd love that. Gesture work. And gesture work is is wonderful because it can be so many different things. And, you know, just keep yourself safe. Yeah. I think that's super important. And you have tattoos, which you started to talk a little bit about last week. I do. I have sigil tattoos. I have a Triskelion on my chest. I have element symbols on my arm. I have a compass. I have I have a sunshine. I have all kinds of... I have a spiral. I have all kinds of stuff all over. And you can draw on yourself. It doesn't oh, have gosh. to be Oh, gosh. Drawing on myself was my favorite thing to do in school. And I think part of that is just because I would, like knew the power of pen to pen to paper I truly do believe that the act of putting a thought from your brain onto a piece of paper or a painting or a whatever that is an act of magic it took human beings thousands of years to get there it's an act of magic and I think that it's incredible I will be for Samhain uh, look out for it I'm gonna do a live but Detta expressed interest in my wood burning that I like to do sometimes. And I got my cause box this week, which is a subscription box that I get sometimes. And it came with a set of bamboo kitchen stuff. And one of which is a wooden spoon, one of which is a pair of tongs, and one of which is a cutting board. And so I'm going to be adding some sigil work to those so that while I am cooking and preparing my dishes for Samhain this year, they can have a little extra juice. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, that's all I have to say on sigils. What I mean, I, yeah. given a platform and the time, I could just talk indefinitely about sigils, so probably this is the end for me as well. Hey, Corey, let's send up some sparks. Let's send up some sparks. I'm going to go back to the well of Daughters of Old because I have just been obsessed with catching up on her channel and the Green Witch channel. And I'm going to take you to a specific episode that she does for an anti-anxiety spell. And I love, 
I happen to love kitchen witchery and green witchery, and this combines both of them because it deals with the wonderful herb chamomile or chamomile, and then it also incorporates baking, and the recipe is for an anti-anxiety spell cake, which I tweaked the ingredients a little bit and made, and I'll post those on Instagram. So that's my spark this week. I love that. Uh, my spark this week is an artist named Fez Inkwright. I recently became aware of Fez Inkwright and then promptly went to her Instagram page and scrolled through the entire thing. <laughs> it The art is so incredible. And I have a sort of physiological response to art that I relate to, which is my brain says, you need to get that tattooed on your body. So that happened a lot of times while I was on Fez's page, is I found a lot of tattoo inspo. But I think that everyone should please, please, please go give a follow. Um, They're an illustrator and I believe also a writer. And uh, she's just, her art is so beautiful and I want everyone to see it. So go check out Fez Inkwright. She's just, she's just the coolest. (laughs) I also really like her work. Oh my God, it's so pretty. It is really beautiful. So we're very excited. Next episode is Samhain. We are going to be talking about Samhain. Now don't get confused. Next week is not Samhain. Yeah, Samhain is the 31st. Yes. On a Saturday and a full moon and the second moon of the month. It's the blue moon. So, yeah. So, come on back next week and we'll talk about Samhain. Cannot wait. My favorite holiday. Mine too. But until then, be well. Harm none. And don't forget. You are magic. Bonfire Babel recognizes that we live and record on the traditional lands of the Duwamish tribe. We honor their past and present stewardship of this beautiful land and the life-giving energy they provide. To learn more about the Duwamish people and real rent, please see the links in our show notes. Thanks for listening to Bonfire Babel. If you liked us, please hit that subscribe button. And if you are so inclined, go ahead and give us a rating and let your friends know. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bonfire Babble. Check out our show notes for the links, and thanks for joining us.